Uh, today we will continue our series in Serpents and Doves. Um, if you guys could stand with me, we believe that this is the word of God, and to honor that, we would like to re- I would like to read it as you stand, while you stand. Um, we are in Proverbs 24, verses 30 through 34. I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns, and the ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction, a little sheep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. This is the word of the Lord. All right, thanks, Lindsay. You can grab a seat. Hey, if we haven't met yet, my name is Benjur. How are you guys doing today? All right, that's pretty good. I mean, I expect a good response from our front row people up here, so the rest of you are going to have to catch up. Um, uh, if we haven't met yet, again, my name is Benjur. I've got five kids, and something happens in my house um, that uh, if, if, you, if you don't have kids or, or maybe you've been around kids, you kind of know this. Um, when, when I'm doing something at home, uh, when maybe I'm, I'm working uh, in the basement, working in the garage, or maybe I'm just reading or enjoying some time to myself, and the kids are playing, um, there's like a, a kind of a spectrum of noise, and, and there's a certain point where you have to, as a parent, react to some noise. But the weird thing is this is that it's not like a straight line, right? It's not like, okay, the noise gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And okay, at this point, dad needs to intercede. I hear some bickering, okay? This is kind of how it goes. First of all, uh, if there's a little bit of noise, because if there's zero noise, free parenting tip, if there's zero noise, um, go find out what's happening because it's not good, okay? But if there's just a little bit of noise, uh, everything's good, and you kind of hear, and then maybe there's some bickering, and you want them to work it out themselves, and it kind of gets bigger. And then there's a point where you're like, maybe, maybe I should go in there. And, and you're kind of determining. And then it goes a little bit higher than that. And you're like, oh, there's no way I'm going in there. Like, I do not want to intercede. Like, uh, maybe it's just my flesh. Maybe I'm just confessing things and, and I'm the only parent that feels that way. And then eventually um, it, it gets to a point where you have to intercede. I think for many of us and what we're going to be talking about today, um, when we uh, kind of view the culture around us and kind of the conversations of our day, um, we uh, are, are a little bit timid to step into some of those conversations. Man, what, how do we step into a conversation um, uh, about race? How do we step into a conversation about transgenderism? How do we step into a conversation about these things where if you're new here or you haven't been here for the last few weeks, you're like, why is he on stage talking about these things? Like, you already feel uncomfortable. And we've all felt that. We're like, well, maybe, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus. Maybe there's a, a place where I can wade in. Maybe there's a place I can love or, or offer some thoughts. Uh, maybe, maybe there's some things I can do. But then you step out a little bit and you realize, man, that is... That is difficult. It is hard. And maybe you've done that and it hasn't gone well, and you've kind of stepped back and you're like, well, that is difficult. That is hard. I'm just not going to do that. I'm going to close my ears. Uh, I'm, I'm going to sit in my bubble. And that's a little bit what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, we've been in a series called Serpents and Doves. And, and kind of our key no, keystone uh, passage, or verse rather, for this has been Matthew uh, chapter 10, verse 16. Um, and, and Jesus says this. He says to his uh, followers, specifically to his closest 12, he's, he's sending them out. He's already given them instruction about what they're going to do. And then he gives them a warning. 
Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. And, and what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, um, if you've been here, Pastor Josh, our pastor for Preaching and Vision, um, has, has broken it down for us like this. There's kind of three buckets that we all belong in when it comes to this, this cultural moment of our day, which, by the way, is not completely unique. It's different than it was 10 years ago. It's different than it was 50 years ago. But followers of Jesus have always been called to, to step into um, our culture and, and to interact in a way that brings life and brings goodness. So this is nothing new. Many of us, uh, I, I think, sometimes see what's going on. Certainly social media is new. Certainly some of the things that we see are new. But really, this call to step into our, our, our culture and bring goodness, bring flourishing, flourishing is nothing new. But all of us belong in kind of three buckets. And, and to be fair, we all are in one of these buckets at one point in time or another, but I think all of us um, kind of uh, gravitate towards one of these buckets. The first one is anger. We talked about this two weeks ago. I mean, you see something online, and, and, and it just makes you angry. Maybe it's, it's a post that one of your friends posts about this uh, the, the president, about this political candidate, about this movement, whatever it is, and, and you respond, your first reaction is anger. And when you're behind a keyboard, man, that is bad news because you can say some things that you would never say to somebody if you're looking at them in the eye and you're having coffee or having breakfast. We respond in anger. Last week, Josh talked about how we can, we can kind of be complicit. Like, we can just go along with everything that's happening, whatever opinion it is, and just say, yeah, because we're fearful. Or maybe we just haven't really thought deeply about it, and we're like, yeah, that, that sounds good. Yeah, love is love. And so I'm just going to go along with that. I don't want to step into that conversation. Maybe I feel like I, I, I just don't want to. Uh, I'm just going to agree with it and nod my head. And today we're talking about the bucket of the bubble. Um, Josh has brought this up, and I think it's so true. Uh, in, in Utah especially, uh, it is possible to step back from everything that's going on in our world today, to close our ears and close our eyes and just say, la, 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 like it doesn't exist. We're going to exist in this bubble. I'm not going to engage. I'm not going to step into that. I'm not going to say it's good. I'm not going to say it's bad. I'm just going to live my life. And this is what we're going to be talking about today. Now, Lindsay read the, the passage for us, Proverbs uh, 24. Um, if you want to open up, we're going to spend a little bit of time in there today. And you might be offended if you kind of see where we're going. Because if I kind of look out here and, and the conversations I have and what I see in my own heart, this is the bucket I think most of us fall into. All of us are in all the buckets in some issue or another. But I think most of us tend to gravitate towards the bubble. I passed by the field of a sluggard. And by the vineyard of a man lacking sense, and behold, it was all overgrown with thorns, and the ground was covered with nettles. And its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw it and considered it. I looked and I received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Now, for those of us who grew up in the West, specifically uh, here in America, capitalistic America, we read this and we're like, yeah, get to work or you don't earn your paycheck. Like, that's what that's saying. Don't be, don't be lazy. Don't sit at home, call into work and, and, and just watch Netflix on repeat. You know, those last 30 seconds of the credit where it says, uh, we're, we're going to play this, uh, this next episode for you. If you don't hit, you just sit there and do that all day. If you do, if you do that, you're not going to get a paycheck. Don't be lazy. 
But really, even though it may involve that, it's much more of that. Think about the author of this proverb. Uh, it may be Solomon, it may be not. The section of the Proverbs we're not completely sure about. Uh, but but this, this author walks past this vineyard that used to bring about flourishing, that used to be cultivated, that used to be beautiful. And, and it brought blessing not just to the person who owned it, but the person's family and those who worked in it and those who were laborers and, and earned a living from it and those who would make the wine and those who would, who would eat the grapes and drink the wine that came from that vineyard. This, this place used to bring flourishing. And the author of the Proverbs realizes, man, as I see what's happening here, This isn't something that happened overnight. It is little by little. This person began to seek comfort over future flourishing. And that's a little bit what we're going to be talking about today. My invitation to us today, if we are in that bubble, and all of us are in some sense, but especially if we gravitate towards the bubble, my invitation is to step out of that bubble. Now, that's, that's easier said than done. So let's define what it looks like to step out of that bubble. To step out of the bubble, the opposite of the bubble, is to cultivate flourishing in the world around us. The opposite of the bubble is to cultivate flourishing in the world around us. This is kind of our big idea for the day. I want you to remember this. Because it's not enough to just kind of say, okay, I'm going to step out of the bubble. Many of us assume, because of just the noise that happens and the arguments that happen, that if we are going to engage, we have to engage like the world around us. If we're going to step out of our bubble, that means we need to have an opinion and it needs to be quick and, and well thought through and be able to yell louder than the other. No, 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 no. That's not what it looks like. To step out of the bubble is to cultivate flourishing in the world around us. Now, to be fair, there's a couple of reasons why we like the bubble. All right, we already mentioned one of them. We like to be comfortable. Our present comfort is more important to us than our future flourishing. And this is true of all of us. This is true of all of us. And I think the other reason why we like the bubble and why we like to stay in the bubble is that we have not sought after the heart of God. We have not asked ourselves, we have not observed in Scripture, we have not tried to wrap our minds and our hearts around what matters to God. What are the things that God cares about most? And if you've never thought about this, this is a sermon for another time, but if you've never thought about this, I'd encourage you, walk through the Gospels, the four biographies of Jesus that we have in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and look at Jesus, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, divine Son of God, who who left heaven and put on flesh to be among us, and then to eventually die for you and me. Who does Jesus love? What makes Jesus angry? Man, the dude flipped some tables sometimes. Like that is that man, that got my first grader kicked out of her class a couple of times when, when she was seven years old, okay? Like that is that is a big deal. She's not here right now. I can't say that in the next gathering, so I'm glad I got that in now. If you're online, don't tell her about that, okay? I guess it's a big deal. What what brought him to tears? What wrenched his heart? We in many ways are not in tune to that, and so we sit in our bubble because it doesn't matter to us. It's not immediately affecting me right now. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to do anything about it. Friends, that is just not true. So we're going to learn today what it means to cultivate flourishing in the world around us. Um, Nancy Piercy 
um, who I'd recommend um, as an author. She's just brilliant, just cultural commentator of our day, loves Jesus, and her book, Total Truth, says this. She says, redemption is not just about being saved from sin. It is also about being saved to something, to resume the task for which we were originally created. And she goes on to talk about that task for which we were originally created, which is to create flourishing. Like we read in Genesis, she's pointing back to Genesis to be fruitful and multiply, which, which we think is just to make babies, which certainly is some of it. But what it means is to cultivate flourishing around us in all spheres of life. And, and in the West, again, in the West and in evangelical Christianity, um, we, we love to focus on the forgiveness of sins piece, which is 100% true. We are forgiven because of what Jesus did when he came to earth. He died on the cross for you and me. He died the death that we deserved, lived the life we could not, rose again from the dead so that we could be forgiven of our sins and have new life. He does it, not us. It is just simply a gift that we receive. But for many of us, we leave it there. And Nancy said, no, 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 no. We're not just saved from something, from death and from sin. We are saved to something. We are given purpose. And that's to cultivate flourishing in the world around us. So there's four places that we're going to start today. I know, I know that like in sermon world and pastor world, you're supposed to only have three points because you can only remember. But you guys look smart. You look sort of awake. So can we do four? Is that cool? What are you going to say? No, I've got the microphone. Okay, we're going to do four. There's four. Uh, I guess Alan could turn me off. I don't know. Uh, there's four um, uh, kind of things. Two of them are kind of internal uh, things that, 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 that we need to work on ourselves. And, and there's two that how we interact with the world around us. And so the first two are, are kind of the internal ones. And this is the first one. Embrace the way of Jesus. Now, I know not everybody here is a follower of Jesus. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm glad that you're here. Uh, I am where you were when I was 19 years old. Realistically, I'm, I'm, I'm talking with people right now in this room. Most of us would identify as a follower of Jesus. So it might seem weird to embrace the way of Jesus. But based on what we just heard from Nancy Piercy, uh, yeah, many times we, we feel like, okay, all that my relationship with Jesus is is just simply he's forgiven me. That's great. I get to be with him forever. That's it. But to embrace the way of Jesus is to realize that he has saved us from something and to something. In fact, we get in this talk about sheep and the wolves. In fact, um, um, I read on social media, which I'm going to tell you not to be on social media too much, and so I'm a hypocrite, but I, I read a post from somebody I know who was referencing this verse from Matthew 10, sheep and wolves, and talking about the weapons that the sheep are supposed to have to fight against the wolves. I'm like, I don't think Jesus would have used sheep and wolves if that's what he meant. Like many times we get so caught up with, okay, we're sheep among wolves and all oh, these wolves and we want to fight back, go back to the anger bucket, okay? Maybe you need to listen to that first, uh, that uh, second week rather. Um, but we forget that in Matthew 10, 16, he begins with, behold, I am sending you out. I'm sending you out. To embrace the way of Jesus is not just to say, okay, I've got a relationship with Jesus, and he and I spend some great time together, and I love that he forget. All of that is good. But to embrace the way of Jesus is to recognize and, and to take a page out of the book of the earliest disciples that as we follow Jesus, we may not understand everything perfectly, but we give our lives to him, and we embrace the way of Jesus that he is calling us to. And we forget that when we pledge to follow Jesus, it's not just about receiving something. It's about saying, Jesus, where you go, I go. Send me. To embrace the way of Jesus is to be sent. And listen, you cannot do that in the bubble. 
You cannot do that if you say, man, none of that exists. Man, that, that person who, who believes this thing makes me feel uncomfortable. This person who has this sign in their yard makes me feel uncomfortable. This person who uh, maybe I'm related to and has, has said, man, they identify this way and that way makes me feel uncomfortable. I'm going to sit in my butt. No, 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 no. To embrace the way of Jesus is to recognize, behold, I am sending you. Jesus has sent us. He has sent us to preach the good news of the kingdom. Specifically what he said right before this, that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God has come near because Jesus has come near. The kingdom is here because the king is here. And we hail the king. And we say the king is good. And in the king there is life. To embrace the way of Jesus is to embrace that we are sent. Second thing is this. We need to work on prayerfully observing our culture. We need to prayerfully observe our culture. And we're going to spend a little bit of time here and unpack this. Um, what we have been talking about over the last couple of weeks is kind of how to engage when we're on social media and we see somebody post something that makes us angry. How do we, how do we deal with that? Or we say, yeah, that sounds good, so I'm not even going to really I'm gonna go along with it. I'm not really going to think about it. And all of these inputs that come in. Um, we are in the age of, a, uh, of, of just past a technical revolution, technological revolution that has been incredible, that for generations before they could never have thought about. It. Like, when this technical revolu- techno- technological revolution began, um, w- when this technology kind of emerged, nobody really knew what to do with it. Some people thought, man, all this, all this information, all this quick connection is going to make this a global and more peaceful world. But there were concerns. Like when this, this technology emerged, uh, there were businessmen who all of a sudden were tied to this technology because you can know what's going on in the markets in an instant. And there was concerns about what it was doing um, in, in, in people's lives that it was increasing anxiety, especially among women. And then, of course, there's like all the political cartoons when this technology came about of, of people who are sitting right next to each other, but they're tied to their technology and they're not even interacting with each other. Like, this was a real concern. And, of course, you know, I'm talking about the technological revolution that was the telegraph. Yeah. This is, this is what happened. Like, this is nothing new, people. Yes, this is different in many ways. But when the tech, when in the 1800s, when the telegraph began to emerge, like a, a, a ton of people claimed to have invented the telegraph, but it was Morse who kind of made it a network so that we could actually talk to each other. We could actually figure out what's going on halfway around the world by the 1800s instantaneously. I mean, that is incredible stuff. You fast forward to today, and if that blew them away, they, just, like, they would just stop living if they saw what you did on your phone all day today. They would, just, they would just not be able to comprehend it, and they would die on the spot. Like, no joke. And for many of us, we go one of two ways with this. Either you get your news apps on your phone. Listen, I'm not judging here. But some of you, like, your phone dings all the time, and it's not just your email. It's CNN, and it's Fox News, and you got those little red dots on there, and did you know about this? Did you hear about this? Did you read about this? Or you got the TV on all the time? Listen, I'm just going to just... You can disagree, but that is not a good thing. Or we're in our bubble. We don't know any. Like, we're going to shut it off. My invitation is that we would prayerfully observe our culture. And this is, this is just a recommendation. I am not the be-all, end-all. I am learning how to do this. But this is just a, rec- the, a recommendation. We need to recapture, especially as thoughtful followers of Jesus, we need to recapture 
long-form reporting. And I'm not talking, you don't have to like read a million things, subscribe to a million journals. Like this is where podcasts come in. I mean, this is awesome. But instead of just listening to news snippets, find one or two or three sources that you trust, even if you disagree with them, that actually unpack the issues. And here's, here's what I want you to do. Just think about this. If you're the kind of person who maybe has that phone go off and you're always tired and you always know what's going on and I am in this bucket, okay? Jennifer would be making fun of me if she's in this room, so I'm not going to talk about this next gathering because I don't want her to make fun of me, okay? But I'm the one that's always like, what happened? This thing happened. This thing happened. And cut down to like one or two times a week and instead of pulling out your phone, you shouldn't get your news from your phone. You shouldn't get your news from a TV because those are just things coming in. You're not cultivating anything. And start... Maybe by opening a psalm, opening a proverb. It doesn't have to be your whole like, Bible reading for the day. Set your minds on things above and prayerfully work through the news. Yes, you should know what's going on. But if you're just reacting to all these dings all the time, you're not, you're not researching facts or things that are actually happening. You're researching conclusions. And if you think, no, 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 my news source, they're the ones that are right. Listen, you're being sold a bill of goods. We need to prayerfully observe our culture. I've got a friend who's a missionary in Gdansk, Poland, and he moved there 13 years ago, not speaking a lick of Polish. And he spent the first two years learning Polish, learning the culture, observing the culture, prayerfully walking through that before they ever like started church service. And then it was years before they had their first baptism. And finally, eight or nine years later, that church finally planted another Polish-speaking church in another city. I mean, like, incredible stuff. And he had to, and his team had to, and his family had to prayerfully observe that culture in order to enter into it and preach that the kingdom of heaven had come near. Friends, we are no different. We are no different. Now, you may think, okay, I'm, I'm not going to know what's going on. Listen, you're not going to learn, you're not going to miss anything big. Okay, I promise you. My wife has actually done this a, a, a number of years ago. She stopped reading the news every day. She said, it's just too much. And you know what? She heard about COVID, okay? Like, yeah. It wasn't like one day her kids just didn't go to school. She's like, what are you doing here? I have no idea what's going on. No. But what she, she does exactly what we're talking about. She, she, thoughtfully observes, she reads, she listens to podcasts. A number of weeks ago, she was in swim lessons. Um, well, she knows how to swim. Her kids were in swim lessons. And she was talking to a mom who really, honestly, was just like against all things religion, against all things church. And, and many of her issues surrounded how um, the LGBTQ community had been mistreated by those of us who identify as followers of Jesus, which, by the way, does happen. If you don't know that, go back to step one and observe the culture. Like, this really happens. And so she went back that night in order to prepare for the next day and listen to some more podcasts and prayerfully walked through this because her goal wasn't to win an argument. Her goal wasn't to like know everything. Her goal was to step into the world around us and create full, create flourishing in the life of this mom and the life of this family. Like this is what it means to prayerfully observe culture. Not just take everything that's coming at us but say, Jesus, what are you doing in the midst of this? What matters to your heart? Where are you in this? And praying for the people who are affected, even the people that you disagree with, even the people that you didn't vote for. Our job is to prayerfully observe culture, not so that we can be right, but so that we can be sent by Jesus and, and say the king is near, the kingdom is near, and in it is life.
Right? The next couple are external. We're leading into the external. Um, we need to build friendships with those around us. We need to build friendships with those around us who are not like us. Build friendships with those around us, you who are not like you. You can't do this in the bubble. And listen, some people, I'm just, I'm just going to call you out. Some people in this room are like, oh, I've got that, that one friend who's from another country. Yeah, you laugh because you know it's true. Yeah. Oh, I got, I got that one friend who, who doesn't believe. I'm friends with one Republican. Like, yeah, we, we talk. We're in the cubicle over. No, 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 no. Build friendships. Friendships mean shared experiences. If you are, if you are really for those around you, if you are really for those who are in your neighborhoods and in your workplaces, then you will seek out shared experiences with them. Not because they're a project, but because you love them. We have forgotten, as followers of Jesus, I'm convinced this, we have forgotten that we are ambassadors for Jesus, and we have forgotten what an ambassador is. Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians, I think it's 5. I'm going to have to get there. Daniel, have it up on the screen for you if I get it wrong. Um, 2 Corinthians 5, chapter 5, uh, verse eight, uh, 16, excuse me. Um, I'm sorry, it is 18. Um, Paul has been talking about what it means to have new life in Jesus. And he's been talking about like, what our role is in that. And then he says this in verse 18. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Like this is all, this is what God has done for us in Jesus. This is celebration. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. This is incredible stuff. Therefore, he says, in light of all of that, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Friends, to be an ambassador, like if you eventually this illustration breaks down, but, but if you think about what an ambassador does uh, for the United States in our country, they don't spend all their time in the United States. Like if they're doing their job, they're somewhere else. And again, this breaks down because the whole goal is, is, is not to make Americans out of people, which we've messed up in the West as well. Like we have to own that. Our goal is to say that the king has come near and the kingdom has come near. Be reconciled to God. To be an ambassador is to step into the world around you, to build friendships, to know what's happening in your neighbor's life, to have conversations. Honestly, sometimes to keep your mouth shut. You don't have to say everything you disagree with with somebody. Some of you, somebody's here that needs to know that. You don't have to say everything you disagree with. To be an ambassador is to love in Jesus' name those around. Now, sometimes that means being prophetic, yes. But that's where the Spirit leads, not our own brains. And listen, friends, I'm sure somebody has been prophetic on Facebook. I'm sure somebody has been prophetic on TikTok and Instagram. But if you're on your keyboard typing, that's not probably out of a spirit of wanting the good of those around you. We should seek to build friendships with those around us who are not like us because we are sent. We are sent. Last thing is this. We need to pick a place to begin. If you are in your bubble, listen, you don't have to 
bite off the whole enchilada. It, it, it is not up to us to save the world. This is Jesus' job. But we are sent. And when he sends us, he sends us to somewhere in particular. Chances are, if you just pay attention to the world around you and where you are, you'll quickly see where you are sent. Um, now, the reason why this is so important is that wisdom connotes action, doesn't it? Like if I tell you, if, you, if you're saying, man, I, I'd love some advice on, you know, trying to figure out my retirement, investing, and all these things, uh, and I said, man, you should meet my friend. She is a very wise investor. In your mind, you're thinking, oh, she has already done it. She has experience. To be wise doesn't mean to have all the right opinions. To be wise doesn't mean to win all the arguments. To be wise means to know how to apply that knowledge. Um, Brett McCracken, in a book I would recommend, by the way, just pause for a minute, The Wisdom Period, um, Wisdom Pyramid, rather, is, is an incredible book. Like, if you're looking for a place to start, if your phone is always dinging, and, and it's always that you figure out, how do, how do I navigate? There's a million news sources. I have no idea how to, how to wisely navigate all these things. The Wisdom period, Pyramid is a great place to start. Brett McCracken, uh, it's on Amazon, um, and, and I'd love for you to pick that up. Um, he says this, Wisdom is knowing what to do with knowledge gained through various means of education. Wisdom is not merely knowing the right answers. It is about living rightly. Friends, picking a place to begin can mean something very, very small. And this is what I'd recommend, is, is to pick a small way globally. And, and I know that sounds huge, like where am I supposed to start? I'm not talking save the world. Like for our family, it, it's sponsoring a compassion child and knowing what's happening in Valentine's country and praying for Valentine. Locally, it means actually stepping into a situation that's difficult. That might mean real conversations. If you recognize, man, I've spent this whole time in the bubble or I'm angry at those who disagree with me, it might mean finding somebody who's not like you and just saying, listen, I think we disagree on some things and I need to learn. So I'd like to buy you lunch. I'd like to buy you breakfast. And I just want you to tell me your point of view on this subject. I'm not even going to respond. I just need to learn. Um, for our family, um, the, the, the rights of the unborn are extremely important to us. And again, that's a whole enchilada, and I know there's a million issues all over the place. It is not a clean-cut thing. But it's so important to us, and we don't necessarily don't know where to begin, that for the last eight years where we've decided just to put our energy is into being foster parents, and specifically to adopt children who may not ever be adopted out of the foster care system because of their needs or because of their disabilities. I hesitate to even say that because I don't want to stand up here and have you like, oh man, that's great, Ben, like, you're an amazing, I hate it when people say you guys are amazing parents. If you know us and you've been to our house, you would know we are just like you, okay? But I say that because we don't necessarily know how to handle everything. But we've kind of tried to think through where we were called as a family, and yes, it is a family thing, our, our, our kids take part in it too. And we have stepped into that space and tried to bring about flourishing in the world around it. Now, we don't do this perfectly. There's many times where it has been difficult. There's been many times where it's actually hurt our family. Because this isn't going to be easy. We need to take Jesus seriously when he says, I am sending you out in the midst of wolves. You are sheep in the midst of wolves. He didn't mean, so therefore, go out armed and ready to take on the wolves. 
No, this is related to his call to take up your cross and follow him. This is self-sacrifice. This is bearing other people's burdens. This is taking on other people's pain. Because as followers of Jesus, we are called to bring about flourishing in the world around us. Now, one really important thing. Our model for this, everything that we've talked about today, our model, is, it's not me, it's not anybody standing up on the stage like this with a microphone like this. No, no, no. It is Jesus. Jesus, before, before you were born, before the dawn of time, before the creation of the world, the Trinity, God, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they knew what it would take to redeem you and me. And Jesus put on flesh. He left heaven. He put on flesh, known as the incarnation, to take on, to take on flesh. He left heaven and dwelt among us and died for you and me and gave his life as a ransom for many so that you and I might have life. Now, and we don't actually do that because Jesus has done that for us, but we follow him in that incarnation. Many people refer to it, at least when, when I was first a follower of Jesus and doing like campus ministry, is incarnational ministry, which means you step into the world and you step into the lives of those around you. Right? The opposite of the bubble is not knowing all the answers. The opposite of the bubble isn't being prepared to win arguments. The opposite of the bu- bubble isn't shouting people down or calling them names or, or knowing who's wrong and who's right. No, no, no. The opposite of the bubble is to step into the world around us and to seek and to create and to cultivate flourishing in the world around us. Remember a proverb that we started with. I passed by the field of the sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. But I saw it and considered it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber, and want like an armed man. I think one of the difficult things for us as followers of Jesus is in the West, we, we have adopted this framework where it is us against the world. If something goes wrong, man, it's those people over there, it's those neighbors, it's those people with those beliefs. No. We are complicit in this. It is us who have opted for our own comfort, our own present comfort, over thoughtfully, prayerfully, and lovingly stepping into the world around us because Jesus has already led the way in proclaiming that the king is near, the kingdom is near, and that he draws near to us. What kind of king does that? Only Jesus. That is the source of true flourishing. And to present that and to proclaim that in word and in action is how we cultivate flourishing in the world around us. I'm going to finish with um, a quote from Rebecca McLaughlin. This is the other book I want to recommend today. Um, This one right here is about how to kind of navigate uh, how, how we know what's going on in the world around us. If you like, are starting from scratch and, and, and you see signs in people's yards or you've had conversations and you're like, how do I even 
navigate these main issues in a, in a way that, that is true to who Jesus is and true to the word that he has given us. Um, this book, The Secular Creed, um, is by Rebecca McLaughlin. It's a short read. It's an incredible read. Uh, it's actually, if you Google Gospel Coalition um, and The Secular Creed, it's actually free as a PDF online from that publisher. Um, you can download that. Um, or if you like to highlight things or you don't want to spend a million dollars on printing, um, you can just pick one up on Amazon. But Rebecca McLaughlin, at the end of this book, after presenting all of these things and how we engage in our culture, says this. She says, on all these fronts, on all these issues, we must fight hard with the weapon God has given us. It's not to shout. It's not to be angry. It is this self-sacrificing, unrelenting love. Friends, if we don't lead with love in all things, as we navigate the culture around us, as we seek to bring flourishing, we're just going to end up in the first two buckets. We're just going to shout people down or go along with whatever it is. Now, the third way is this, that Jesus leads us as he put on flesh. We are to wade in, as he did, into the world around us to love those who believe differently, to admit where we are wrong, and to proclaim that flourishing and goodness and mercy and grace and healing and life are found in the King of Kings. That's what it means to step out of the bubble. And this is my invitation to us today. Let me pray for us. God, as I, as I stand up here and I preach this, um, Father, I confess that, that even in the last week, um, you've brought to mind times where I have been angry, where I've just decided not to engage where you've given me opportunity. Because it's easier to shout people down, it's more comfortable for me not to engage. And Father, I pray that you would forgive me and forgive us. God, I pray that uh, we would be a family. Um, though we will not always get this right, that you would lead us into the world around us as sheep in the midst of wolves and that we would carry not weapons of anger, not weapons of shouting, not weapons of desiring to be right in ourselves, but, Father, the only weapon you've really given us, which is self-sacrificing, unrelenting love. God, may we seek flourishing in the world around us. Father, we, we pray for, and we pray you would do more than this, but we pray for a day when conversations that we have with neighbors wouldn't just be about finding common ground, but we, there would be a day when we would point back to that as the beginning of when somebody would begin to fall in love with the King of Kings. That though they don't have all the answers, they would see that the Jesus of the Bible is different than the Jesus that was presented to them. Where, Father, maybe they have been mistreated even by those within the church. God, that they would see that there's a God who loves them, who sent his son Jesus to die for them, who has chosen them. Father, would you lead us? Would we seek to cultivate flourishing in the world around us? Not because we are anything, 
but because you are everything and you have given us everything through your son, Jesus, would you empower us in this through your Holy Spirit? We pray all these things in Jesus' name that all the people say,